minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nahum Siegel. Welcome to a Wednesday. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Shem hat 
too lonely or too lost to lend a hand together as we try. Look to the sky, and you will see a base coming, dust burning, waiting to descend. That no two will be left behind. No tears. J.M. and the A.M. on a Wednesday morning broadcast. Hard to play that song and not think of our dear friend Shia Menlowitz. That was among the very first productions that he was involved with. And, of course, it's Avram Freed's first solo album. Title track to No Jew Will Be Left Behind here at J.M. and the A.M. And we know that, that is the attitude of Israeli military and Israeli intelligence. They are trying their hardest. I, I, I know this. Without knowing it, I know it. They're trying the hardest to make sure that No Jew Will Be Left Behind in the hand of the enemy. Uh, it is a difficult task. I don't think that that even... Uh, qualifies as an accurate um, description of how hard the task is, but we are continuing to pray for those hostages, uh, our brothers and sisters who are abducted and are now being held by the enemy. And uh, join me every day in doing that as we pray for them and as we pray for the families of the fallen soldiers, the number of soldiers that fell yesterday in battle, staggering. For us, it's staggering because every time there's any type of episode like that it's staggering but the ages and we'll do it later on well i won't i won't do this to everybody this early but later on we will go through the uh, miniature descriptions that we have found of each and every one of those special soldiers who fell yesterday in battle tough times everybody for our brothers and sisters in israel let's do everything in our power to remember that and to uh, continue to to pray and to be in touch with them and to do whatever we can both in terms of unity, chesed, tefillah, and Torah. Let us do whatever we can to assist our brethren, our brothers and sisters in the Holy Land. Uh, Mordechai ben David had Ezkara and Tov Lahodos. You heard Shema Kolena with Laman Achai and words that we're saying a lot of these days, Mima Makim. Uh, Hertz Greenfeld with Kolon Lo Lo Shachachnu, Akiva Gorman with that song. 
I felt I had no choice but to start the show with uh, Yoharam Gaon and Milchama Achrona. After all, that promise continues to be a promise to the next generation, even when it doesn't feel like it's the last war. And Regesh with Modani opening things up, and we say good morning. Welcome to a Wednesday on this very first day of November, day number 17 in the month of Mar Cheshvan. The year is 5784. Tufshin Pei Dalit. Plenty coming up between now and 9 a.m. here at JM the AM. It is a Wednesday. Got a live lunch at 11 o'clock and plenty more all through the day. Keep it here, everybody, and thanks for tuning in. Don't uh, forget about uh, commenting on the app. Feel free to comment. Go to the NSN, Nahum Single Network app for Android and iPhone, and comment away. It's Naftali Kempa coming up next at JM in the AM. Nachon, atem anashim kshirim, nachon, atem anashim kshirim, ach lo lazot, lo lazot, lo lazot aita, lo lazot aita kavanati. Nachon, atem anashim kshirim, nachon, atem anashim kshirim, ach lo lazot, lo lazot, lo lazot aita, lo lazot aita kavanati. Ratziti shetiu Kechayot anoamot bayar Kechayot anoamot bayar Noamot bayar Elot shlemim Ratziti shetiu Kechayot anoamot bayar Kechayot anoamot bayar Noamot bayar Elot shlemim Ratziti shetiu Kechayot anoamot bayar Kechayot anoamot bayar Noamot bayar Lelot shlemim Ratziti shetiu
Sometimes there are moments when there are 
גבובי, משכן אבנה, לדר גבוי דוי. מלבובי, מלבובי, משכן אבנה, לדר גבוי דוי. JM in the AM, Wednesday morning broadcast, hour number one complete. Zeira with Bill Vavi, Ani Yehudi, that's Mordechai Shapiro, Kobe Brummer with Hakola Tova. Chaim Avital before that here at JM in the AM. Ephraim Mendelssohn had the Abaye uh, Dibanez selection, and this is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program, heard on listeners' sponsored yeah, digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSegal.com and the NachumSegal Network, and of course, any beloved NSN app. Galei Tzal in the background, or our news from Israel coming up. Continue to pray for our brothers and sisters in the Holy Land, and especially for those who have been abducted and continue to be held by the enemy. Let's hope the IDF is able to rescue more of them as soon as possible. Stay in touch with our brothers and sisters in Israel. Keep in mind that right now it's a six-hour difference between the Eastern Time Zone and Israel. That'll change early Sunday morning here when we go back to seven hours when we hit standard time in the United States. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Wednesday's next. Boker Tov from Jam in the AM. גליצל מירושלים השעה אחת, שלום רב, באולפן רן יבנאי עם מה שקורה עכשיו. ראש הממשלה נתניהו אומר הבוקר, חיילינו נפלו במלחמה שאין צודקת ממנה המלחמה על הבית. זו תהיה גם מלחמה ארוכה. יש לנו בה הישגים חשובים, אבל גם אבידות כואבות. ואני אומר למשפחות היקרות, אנחנו מחבקים אתכם, חיילינו נפלו במלחמה שאין צודקת ממנה, המלחמה על הבית. ואני מבטיח לכם ולכל אזרחי ישראל, אנחנו נמשיך. עד שנמלא את המסיבה, עד לניצחון. 12 לוחמים נפלו אתמול בקרבות ברצועת עזה, אחד מהם רב טוראי אסף לוגר, בן 21 מיגור. אביו עידן ספד לו. אסיף היה ילד מדהים. הוא אהב מאוד מוזיקה. כל זמן שהיה לו, הוא היה עורך מוזיקה, מסמפל מוזיקה, יוצר. בשבת הוא אומר לי, אבא הקפיץ אותנו, פיסעתי אותו לאשטלון, והוא אמר לי, אל תדאג אבא. אין לי כוונה למות, וזו הפעם האחרונה שדיברתי. ולמעשה ידעתי שהוא בפנים, ידעתי שהוא נכנס. כשנכנסתי הביתה, אז יחידת המודיעין כבר הייתה בבית. אחרי המתקפות מתימן, דובר צה"ל, תת-אלוף דניאל הגרי אומר, אנחנו יודעים להתקיף בכל מקום וזמן שנחליט. אנחנו במוכנות מאוד גבוהה בהגנה, במרחב הזה. הוספנו עוד כלים של חיל הים שיודעים להביא הגנה משמעותית מהמרחב הימי, יודעים גם להביא יכולות התקפיות. חיל האוויר בנוי בשכבות הגנה, בשכבות מטוסים, ואנחנו ערוכים במרחב הזה כמו שאנחנו ערוכים בכל אזור במדינת ישראל להגנה, ואנחנו גם יודעים להתקיף במקום ובזמן שנחליט בכל מקום שנידרש אליו. שר התקשורת שלמה קרעי טוען בכנסת, הכל מוכן לסגירת שידורי אל-ג'זירה בישראל. אנחנו ממתינים לאישור שר הביטחון גלנט. הדיון בצורך להגביל את השידורים נמצא בעיצומו. הדבר הזה נמצא לפתחו של שר הביטחון לאחר הסכמתו שטרם קיבלנו אותה, תובא הבקשה לאישור הקבינט. ולשכתו של השר גלנט נמסר, בניגוד לנטען, שר הביטחון תומך בהגבלת שידור ופעילות תחנת אל-ג'זירה מישראל באופן מיידי. 
מעבר רפיח נפתח לפני שעה קלה לראשונה מתחילת המלחמה ליציאה מוגבלת של אזרחים זרים ותושבים פצועים מרצועת עזה למצרים. זאת לאחר שהושג הסכם בתיווך קטאר. מדובר בהסכם בין מצרים, ישראל וחמאס. גורם המעורה בפרטי ההסכם אמר לסוכנות הידיעות רויטרס כי הסיכום לא נוגע לחטופים או להפסקות אש הומניטריות. ידיעה שהעביר כתב חדשות החוץ ברק בטש. הלשכה המרכזית לסטטיסטיקה מפרסמת נתונים ראשונים על עומק הפגיעה בעסקים בעקבות המלחמה. מדווח כתבנו לענייני כלכלה ישראל פישר. יותר ממחצית מהעסקים בישראל דיווחו על פגיעה חמורה בהכנסות מתחילת המלחמה. כך עולה מנתונים ראשונים שמפרסמת היום הלשכה המרכזית לסטטיסטיקה על הפגיעה במשק. עוד עולה מהנתונים כי הפגיעה החמורה ביותר הייתה בעסקים הקטנים ובעסקים בתחומי הבנייה או מסעדות וברים. הנתונים מצביעים גם על פגיעה חמורה בשוק התעסוקה. יותר משליש מהעסקים נאלצו לצמצם בשיעור חד את מספר העובדים. מזג האוויר יוסיף להיות חם מהרגיל לעונה בצפון הארץ ובערים, סופות רעמים עם גשם. אלה החדשות שעורך רועי ולד. JM in the AM, hour number two on a uh, Wednesday morning broadcast. And uh, normally when uh, we ask uh, Ronnie Timzit to join us live via telephone, it's essentially to, uh, to thank him for his hospitality at the Inbal Hotel in Jerusalem. Uh, it is also a thank you, and uh, we often will mention how... Uh, Uh, the Inbal Hotel is, is, is honestly our home base. It's where we get all our work done in Israel whenever we're there, including this past trip last week. And that's normally why we bring Ronnie Timzit on the air. But uh, Ronnie, who's the general manager of the Inbal, has, uh, has a lot more on his plate right now than just uh, entertaining us and welcoming guests. Uh, the Inbal, during this challenging time, has decided to stay open. And I'm saying it like that. Because there are hotels, luxury hotels in Jerusalem that have closed. I'm not going to mention names. And knowing Ronnie, he's not going to mention any names. <laughs> but, but if you want the names off the air, I'll tell you. Uh, the Inbal has made a commitment to stay open for solidarity delegations. That's us, folks. The Chizuk missions that are coming from schools and shuls, etc. And for individuals who are um, supporting Israel from all around the world. That includes, by the way, media uh, who are there this week in the Inbal. etc etc and most importantly they're also taking a hundred plus rooms and hosting citizens who were displaced and evacuated from their homes both in the north and the south and this is in addition to their dedicated employees volunteering all their time and efforts to assist those in need and also the inbal by the way and we'll ask roni about this they've donated furniture to furnish 40 empty apartments which are housing some of those refugees uh we're associated with a lot of good people And the staff at the Inbal is among them. Uh, the general manager of the Inbal Hotel in Jerusalem, who we just saw last week, is Roni Timzit. A pleasure to welcome you back to JM in the AM. Hello. Hello. Uh, yes, it's, uh, you know, you all know that uh, it's the first time uh, today in Israel. That's for sure. Uh, but uh, we, we have decided, when, when we've seen the situation... Uh, most of the hotels decided to to close and uh, and uh, some of them the three star hotel four star hotel uh, decided to, uh, to 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 have displaced people and uh, and we have decided that we have to be part of uh, of this effort of the of the country 
and we gave part of our uh, room for uh, these families that are uh, were evacuated from their homes. And we wanted to be sure that uh, they will be taken care of uh, uh, well. Uh, so, so we decided to, to take uh, families. And, uh, and by that, we said, okay, we will keep the hotel uh, open also. Right. And we'll have, the, because we have a lot of people that have family in Israel. They are coming and, and they want to, to be here for one week, two weeks, three weeks. We have people that uh, they need to be here because they are the grandparents and the, 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 the son is at the army. And, uh, and the rest of the family is here and they want to help. And, uh, and we have also solidarity missions. Every week we have uh, two, three, four solidarity missions. That's most of the time it's uh, men coming uh, uh, alone with their friends and they are coming and they visit people that they have to visit. And you, you, have, uh, you have our friends from Amit this week, right? Don't you have our friends from Amit? Right, yeah. Right. They came, yeah, they came from America to support their school system and to see firsthand what's going on. Baruch Hashem. Big shout out to Andy Goldsmith and everybody at Amit. Um, Ronnie, the, uh, the, 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 this whole, the whole situation is unbelievable. But what, what's not unbelievable is that because of your, and you said this to me off the air last week when I saw you, based on your experience, you know, this is what it's like being in this industry in Israel because, you said to your staff around Rosh Hashanah, you said to your staff, we're coming off an amazing year and it'll it'll last until something happens because in your, you know, four decades of doing this, you know that when you're in Israel, unfortunately, some, I mean, COVID is, you know, notwithstanding, unfortunately, something always happens. So I think that's one of the reasons why your staff is so even keel about this whole thing, because they manage their expectations while the hotel was doing really, really well. Would you say that was a big factor? Uh, yes, uh, you know when when you are ready in your mind that something can happen, right. everything look uh, very different the day it happening. Uh, you are not in a shock. You are not in. Uh, you you begin to 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 move quickly, and that's uh, I think the big difference with perhaps other hotels that we we were open during the corona and we were open when whenever we we had to we feel we had to be open and we react uh, very quickly very quickly and uh, and we are taking care the hotel is working uh, very well the restaurants are open for the guests that are here because most of the restaurants in town are are closed now so we reopen uh, everything the pool is uh, is here also that because we 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 wanted to be sure that the, the people evacuated, they will have a pool also. Uh, we wanted to be sure that uh, we are hosting uh, 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 people, and we don't care if they are uh, uh, people that came for uh, two weeks because they are uh, evacuated, or they are uh, uh, tourists that came to see their family or uh, solidarity mission. We want. We, we are treating exactly the same everybody. Everybody is together, the breakfast is together, and, and it's, uh, it's so nice to see that all this is working very well, and already we have the, the kids of the families that are here, they are going to the school, 
there is a school that uh, is taking them. The, the uh, public is is so involved in everything that uh, uh, all the situation. We have uh, uh, people that are taking their laundry to yeah. make their laundry uh, outside. Everything is taken care of by, yeah. the, by by organization, public uh, organization, not uh, not from the country. But from the people that decided to to get organized, a lot of volunteers. I could not have said it better. It's all hands on deck. It's all hands on deck throughout the entire country. It is incredible the volunteer effort that's going into helping those who are refugees, those who are the helping families that are going through such difficult times. There are families who've lost soldiers. There are families waiting for kidnapped relatives. Uh, it's a uh, it's it's amazing to see all the chesed and all hands are on deck at the Inbal Hotel. We gotta we gotta give them credit. And by the way, everybody, if you need, I'm gonna I'm gonna offer, um, you know, anybody out there that's planning a solidarity mission, there there is a reason to prefer the Inbal for a lot of the reasons that Roni just uh, just pointed out. Uh, they're operating totally normally, which is a tremendous advantage when you're trying to stay as a foreigner in Israel right now. Go find a facility that's operating normally. So if you're planning a solidarity mission from anywhere in the United States uh, to Israel, contact me. I'll give you uh, uh, Ronnie's uh, email address. Be in touch with him directly, and you'll see they will do, uh, they'll do really good by you as a solidarity mission coming in and you will be um you will feel the hospitality that's that'll be one thing you don't have to worry about is uh you know staying at a hotel that's full service at this time ronnie tell me about the furniture because this is not the first time you've done this i remember when you when you um uh when you paired up with one of the organizations and all the old furniture during the renovation which of course is not old but you know what i mean uh was was distributed to needy people around the country who needed furniture and now when people come into unfurnished apartments from the north or south you're, you're again finding furniture for them tell me about that okay so what we were supposed to uh, uh, do a renovation that we will do, uh, but uh, of 40 rooms. And on the second day, uh, somebody came here and told me, look, I'm, I, have, I just finished a building. I have uh, uh, 30 apartments, and, uh, and, but I, I don't have any uh, furniture. But the apartment is finished, and I would like the, to give the apartment to families that they will be here, and they will be like a real family, not in an hotel, that it is tough to be in an hotel, no, no kitchen, etc. But, uh, but to, to have regular uh, life. So we, I, I found the owners of the hotel, and I told them, let's give the, this uh, fourth floor that we have to renovate, let's give the... The, the furniture, and they put that in uh, in uh, Facebook. They put we need thirty people to help. <laughs> <laughs> Fifty people were here, <laughs> and uh, somebody gave the trucks, and and they they put everything in the in this uh, building, and the building is uh, is occupied now by uh, by people from the south. Unbelievable! So, I mean, everybody pitches in. Someone has empty apartments, they want to contribute those. You have furniture, you want to contribute those. Trucking companies have the trucks that are necessary, uh, they want to give those. And, of course, the volunteers, they show up in droves just to carry that furniture out of the hotel. The whole thing 
is amazing. Ronnie Timzit, general manager of the Inbal, is with us. Be in touch with him directly if you want any email addresses of him and his staff. Said you could plan your solidarity mission and stay in Jerusalem in a beautiful, comfortable hotel where all of those things will be. You won't have to worry about anything when you bring your people. You just go and do the chesed and do all the volunteer work that you're looking to do in Israel. In fact, um, those who are going this week now have a lot of shiva calls to pay with all the soldiers we lost yesterday. So there's a lot to do, a lot of ways to keep busy with chesed. Uh, you don't want to. You want to make sure that wherever you're staying, everything is taken care of. Um, did Did you welcome any members of the international media this week? Uh, yes, we we have uh, we have quite a lot of uh, journalists or bloggers, uh, people that are uh, very supporting uh, Israel. Uh, most of uh, most of them, I would say. The majority. Uh, the majority um, of them are friends. Huh? The majority of them are friends. Thank God. Uh, or friends, or people that we didn't know. Right. Uh, I don't want to to say there. Next time, I'll tell you, uh, because <laughs> they are still here, and I don't want to rock the boat. Who they are? <laughs> yeah. But uh, something interesting. I. Uh, but next time, next time. All right. <laughs> we look forward to that. I'm sure you are meeting a lot of interesting people because it looks like the entire world of journalism wants to cover this war. So I can imagine that people from all different walks of life are coming to Jerusalem in order to see firsthand uh, what is going on. It, have you been able to pick up the mood of the refugees? You're seeing a lot of people in your hotel who left their permanent homes in the north and south. And frankly, this is not a secret to you, Ronnie. Uh, frankly, we don't know when they're going to be going back. Are they able to keep up a good spirit while you're there? While they're there with you? Yes. Now, now that they have, first we are taking care of them on full board. They have breakfast, they right. have lunch, and they have dinner. Wow. And uh, and we took care that uh, we won't have uh, four people per room or something like that. Right. We really took care that they will be uh, well uh, well uh, accommodated. And uh, and now that they have the school, that uh, for the kids, it's a lot easier for uh, for them. Right. How long the country will pay for uh, will participate? Because that's not paying everything. But right. will participate? We will be. Uh, uh, I, I don't know, but uh, uh, the situation is so complicated that uh, I am. Um, we are making decisions for this morning for this afternoon. And, uh, and and more than this, we are changing all the time, and we are trying to be on top of things and 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 to be flexible to to make the right decision. And uh, and this is what we're doing all the day. I think the whole country, including the government, is making decisions this morning for this afternoon. Uh, Ronnie Tadaraba, it was great seeing you last week. It's wonderful to feature all the chesed and the incredible work that you're doing literally on the front lines of the tourism industry, which obviously is suffering right now, to say the least. I hope we'll, I hope American jury will make that up to you at some point, but today's not the day for that discussion. And you don't have to yell at everybody. I'll be the one <laughs> to yell at everybody eventually to get back to Israel, uh, that I can tell you. And, and hopefully, my goal is to get back in a couple of weeks. I hope to see you again. If not, then please God, next month, uh, in Jerusalem. Ronnie Timzit of the Inbal Hotel. Todaraba, my friend. Thank you so much. And a big, big kolakavod to you in the hotel for all you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. Ronnie Timzit, he is the general manager at the Inbal, Jerusalem. You want to get in touch with him and his staff? I'll tell you exactly who to contact just to get in touch with me. And um, 
and take your solidarity mission and know that it's all taken care of, especially if you have uh, people who are used to, you know, good accommodations in Israel. We're talking about one of the only luxury hotels that stayed open in Jerusalem. I will not say publicly who the others were that refused to take in refugees. And again, it's not fair for me to criticize them. I have no idea what their circumstances were. But it's no coincidence, in my opinion, the Inbal is one of the only ones to stay open. All right, just an observation on my part, but as you know, I'm partial. More coming up. You're listening to a Wednesday morning broadcast of JM in the AM.
JM in the AM with Lizzie Klatsko and Kilo Yutosh here on a Wednesday morning broadcast. Arye Kunstler before that with the Tzahal Mishaberach. We are, of course, uh, mourning the loss of some of our beloved soldiers who um, perished yesterday in battle and whose families are, of course, going through the the replay for the state. It's a replay over and over and over again of the funeral shiva shloshim that so many families have gone through already. No question about that. Um, and we continue to pray for our brothers and sisters in Israel as we keep them in mind all through the day. And I continue to encourage all the leaders out there, principals, teachers, rabbeim, synagogue, rabbis, presidents, etc., to consider forming, as the Yeshiva of Flatbush has done, a solidarity mission to Israel. There's a lot to do. And as we said yesterday, Rabbi Hertzberg is more than happy to share with any school or organization the itinerary that they're going to be doing. They have full days of tremendous volunteer work and meaningful visits. Feel free to email us to be in touch with him and uh, to get it going in your community. Rabbi David Goldwasser's words, Zechonishmas Arav Zebin, Rabbi and Zechonishmas Esther Basri, plus our... Uh, Addition for this week, uh, my father-in-law's yard site is Shabbos. It's in honor of Yitzchak ben Moshe Halevi as well. Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. Good morning. We read in Parshas Kiseitzei, Kiseitzei la milchama aleyavecha, when you go forth in war against your enemy. Rav Sternbuch points out that it says, Kiseitzei loshen yachid, it is the singular tense. Aleyavecha, against your enemy, it's in the plural tense. It seems to me that the reason is because the obligation of each and every individual that goes forth into war should say in their heart that I am extremely important. I am the one that will help bring about the victory. I will make sure that I fulfill my obligation. This is so for every chayal, for every precious soldier, but it is also for each and every one of us to do our part, to make sure that we help in the effort by tefillah, by davening, by learning, limutara, and by tztoka and chasadim, to give charity and to do as much chesed as possible. That is our responsibility, to care, to think, to have in mind all of the chayalim, all of the hostages, may they come home safe and sound, Bikarov. The Parsha of Kiseitse reminds each and every one of us, the obligation is on me as a yochid, me as an individual. That is the reason it is said in the singular tense, Kiseitse lemilchama. Each and every one of us has a part in all that is going on in Eretz Yisrael. On the first Shabbos, after the Polish people had raised the national flag in revolt in 1863, the great Chidushi Arim came into the base Medrash. He was about to say Kiddush. However, before he began, he began to cry. 
He said, I'm afraid in Shamayim that there might be a taina against B'nai Yisrael. The Poles are willing to sacrifice in order to liberate the country from foreign rule. What are we Jews doing to regain our freedom? In our days, the Mesiras Nefesh of the entire IDF, of every soldier in the Israeli Defense Force, the Mesiras Nefesh of all of Klau Yisrael, the Mesiras Nefesh of the hostages. May we soon hear the Besuras Tavos of the imminent release of every hostage and the safe return of each and every soldier back home safe and sound. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser bringing you morning chizik. May we all hear Besuras Tavos Yeshuas Venechamos.
Which I am in the AM with Sandy Shmueli. Yesh Rigaim is the name of that one. Before that, Atta done by Lipa. And we are speaking with you from our Teenex studio this morning here at JM in the AM. That's given us an opportunity, since we are in New Jersey, to invite Rabbi Josh Khan into our studio, who is the Rosh Yeshiva of TABC. He and Rabbi Stochel and Rabbi Finkelstein and the whole amazing administration that we got to know really, really well over the last many, many years. Many of you know that four Siegel boys went to TABC, and uh, there they turned into four very effective uh, men and leaders, Baruch Hashem, all doing well, canine hurrah, thank God. And the right context, great pride in that, as does everybody at TABC. But that's not the reason he's here this morning. As much as he and I love to discuss this topic, it's not the reason he's here this morning. He's here this morning because uh, many high schools in our quote-unquote yeshiva league, as I call it, are concerned about where their seniors might be next year in light of all the uh, developments on campuses around the United States, including in this area, frankly, campuses we never would have expected it from. So TABC, uh, with Rabbi Khan, Rabbi Stochel, and the entire administration, I should mention Mrs. Weinberger because she deals with college with potential college students constantly, uh, they put together a letter to the TABC community, which essentially um, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll just read most of it here. As we continue to mourn the atrocities that our brothers and sisters in Israel have experienced, we are simultaneously following the frightening rise in anti-Semitism in the United States. While anti-Semitic hate crimes have been steadily increasing in recent years, they've become alarmingly brazen in recent weeks. The conditions for Jewish students on many college campuses is intolerable. We are carefully monitoring the statements that universities have or have not issued, scrutinizing actions that college administrators have taken, and hearing directly from our alumni about the discrimination they are currently experiencing. We applaud the leaders who have written to university presidents who express their shock and disappointment for the direct, for the dereliction of duty to ensure the safety of their Jewish students. And here's where the letter gets very interesting and proactive. We feel strongly that we cannot continue to invite college representatives to speak to our students as they have in the past. Your son's physical and emotional welfare is too important to us. As we proceed through the admission season, we will require the following expectation of all universities who wish to recruit our students with visits to our school before college representatives can enter our building they must bring a statement from their university leadership detailing their plans to protect and maintain the safety and security of our graduates on their campuses as jews we will continue to communicate to each college our serious concerns about the hostile environment permitted on their campuses based on the trends and incidents we are so closely tracking it's our hope that our collective stance in prioritizing the safety of our students will compel universities to address the severity of the current situation now um this is a development that I feel is significant because we have watched what's been happening on college campuses with tremendous fright and a lot of trepidation, and great concern for our young students who are now in high school. And frankly, those who are on the college campuses now as well. And there are some schools I don't think I think Rabbi Khan will tell us that there are other colleagues of his and of theirs at TABC that have taken the same action or a similar action. We'll discuss that, uh, but there's no question TABC was among the first. And with that, I say good morning, Rabbi Josh Khan. A pleasure to welcome you to JM in the AM. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, this had to have been, look, high schools and colleges, especially in our community, academics is taken very seriously from our parent body and the students and, and your administration. It, it, it had to have been a difficult road to get here. In other words, this was not, oh, look what's going on at all these campuses. Let's pen a letter. This must have been an arduous task to pen the right letter. And I assume you weighed so many different uh, um, uh, points that you wanted to make and actually confront 
these colleges with? What has this process been like? Yeah, so, you know, we've, we've been tracking college campuses. It's not new um, that anti-Zionism and anti-Semitism exists on campus. Uh, some of the political stances, some of the guests that are invited to various campuses have been frightening. Um, and, and watching since October 7th, um, the stance that colleges have or have not taken, watching philanthropists really stand up as leaders, Jewish philanthropists withdraw money or, right. or commit to not supporting these universities, um, I honestly have found inspiring um, and certainly pushed us to feel that, that it's our responsibility uh, to take a stance as well. You know, I have a quote uh, in my office from our Jonathan Sachs, Zechron uh, Levracha, who said, to defend a land, you need an army, but to defend freedom, you need education. Oh. Um, and, and, you know, to me, what, what's so powerful about that quote, it's always been powerful to me. It's not, it's not a new quote. It's a quote I've used before. It was in my office before any of this started. Um, but it's specifically right now when the battleground is actually in the field of education and on the educational campuses that it's been concerning to us. On a process level, um, thank God we have a really, really strong network of schools. And, and as a network of, of high schools, of Shiva high schools, we are meeting um, to discuss a collaborative stance. About how many schools? I'm just curious, like around... I, I believe this afternoon we have 35 oh, wow. schools getting A really together. significant number. Yes, a very significant number. Yeah. It's something that I think and all I of the high schools... And I would assume boys, girls, and co-ed. Right? Correct. I guess all of them. Wow. Something all of the high schools are, are really troubled by um, and want to take, you know, kind of strong and decisive action. Um, you know, on, on a personal school-wide level, uh, as you know, Maya Note, Yeshiva High School right. as well, um, we have a very good relationship. And CB and I spoke about two weeks ago. Uh, it was in the in the aftermath um, of again this just increased rise, and and we said, how can we just continue this way? Um, we knew that the early decision deadline, early right. applications are actually due yeah, today. Yeah, this is the time of year, unfortunately, for the colleges. This is the time you're really going to feel it the most, right? I right. Yes, right. And, and Have so we they done even, it, by the way? Has Maya Note yeah, so, so, sent a letter? Correct. So we did this collaboratively in the sense that we talked through different different op different options, mm -hmm. what would be the right balance on the one hand between taking a stance, and on the other hand, you know, we always feel our responsibility is to help our families and our students get into the college of their choice, right. and how can we balance those values? Um, and so we went through different options together and then we each you know within our own school uh dis discussed and decided what will be the appropriate tone what will be the appropriate approach um and that was with college guidance with our administration with our lay leaders as well um and this is the stance we came up with and, and i'll just stress that from our perspective um as passionately as we feel on the political sense and you know uh Rabbi Adler, sure. our Rosh Hashiva Emeritus, who, who felt very strongly and created a culture in TABC, which was very, very religious Zionist. Um, and we have over 40 alumni currently serving in Sahal. I was going to ask you about that. We'll get to that, yeah. Um, so that part is important to us. At the same time, uh, the letter that we, that we penned uh, does focus on um, the safety and the anti-Semitism. It doesn't get into the Zionism. Right. It doesn't get into the stance on Hamas, but right. really focuses on the safety of our students, which, you know, as, as you know, we view our students as our children. How could we send our students to a place? How could we send our children to a place that they would not feel safe? And so that was the stance. And it's our hope that we're not preventing colleges from coming to our right. school, but that they are going to take the actions that they owe to their students. Right. And some colleges already have taken those actions. Right. Josh Kahn is here. I don't know what time you have to be on campus, but, uh, you know, feel free free to indicate if you have only a couple of minutes left. Um, so in the end, whatever that means in the next couple of days, the next week, will the majority of those 30, 40 schools, you know, also take this similar action? Do you think, are you the exception? And it'll only be four or five schools that will probably be this tough 
on the college. And this is not a criticism, by the way. Every school goes through their own, you know, uh, their, their own considerations about how strong to be on this issue. And I get it. What do you think in the end is going to happen? Well, how many schools or around how many schools will take a similar action? Right. It's, it's a very hard uh, guess to make. Um, what I can say is that I know. Well, what from- are we up to now? Do you know? Like how many you've done it already, or is it just the two of you? Uh, us and my note, That's Kushner. It. Kushner has issued a statement, um, which is which is a strong statement, um, which acknowledges that they they are going to be refining what exactly the approach looks like, but a very strong statement, like a statement of concern type thing. Yes, got it. Um, and and I think every single school is is highly concerned. Um, and, and in all this, fairness, there may be some schools that you're just not aware of. Now, I don't want anyone to think that we're not, you know, highlighting them for their efforts. Right. right. I, I know, and I know on social media, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of conversation of people saying, I'm going to bring the statement to right. my school. Um, and certainly our goal in our statement is not to drive other schools. I, like I said, I think all schools are deeply bothered by what's going on. And then every school is going to have to navigate on, indiv- on an individual level how to express that to colleges. And I think we collectively are going to look at what is an approach we could take in a unified Now, way. I said this is the time of year for it. I don't know. <laughs> I know very little about the work you do in, in, in regard to this. But when would a college normally be visiting? Is it November? Is it December? Like if, if Ivy League colleges are sending representatives or any colleges are sending representatives, when would it take place? So they would have sent representatives already ah. in September for seniors because, again, the early right. uh, application deadline being today, they'd want to have lined that up already. Um, we have a Jewish Life on Campus program, which we do in December, um, which is typically more our alumni and JLIC rabbis who come and talk about that Jewish Life on Campus, which will be really an interesting uh, program. Oh. Program this coming <laughs> December, and then later in the spring is when the college reps will come and present to juniors. Any reaction yet from any colleges? I'm not just, not yet, but but they know, have time. But correct. they have time. Right? Exactly. Simple as that. So we'll see what happens. Now you mentioned a moment ago, and and really in all your experience in your years of education, you personally probably know tens of chayalim right now. And I'm not talking about those you may be related to or those who are family in Israel, just students of yours mm-hmm. who are now serving. You could imagine that, you know, I'm in Israel last week and I'm astounded by, and of course, I'm all asking the question, why Why is a Bergen County kid you know, serving up north? And, and, it, and, it's, and their answers are remarkable, frankly. I mean, I'm sure you've asked the same question at some point uh, or a variation of it. Um, any clue? I mean, you said 40 TABC alums, any idea how many total you may know from all your years of experience that are now actually serving? Yes. I don't know uh, that, that full number, but again, in the currently serving from TABC, the answer is over 40, which is statistically speaking, um, you know, we're, we're a current student body of 275. So if you just put the proportion of students of alumni currently serving, it would be the equivalent of 15% of our student body. Um, and, and when you ask why, uh, I, I think it really, it's a tribute to, to TABC in terms of the hashkaf and the education that our students experience and, and to their families. Oh, and yeah. I know uh, I know for many parents, any parent who's listening, how, how emotionally difficult it is to know that your son is right now serving the IDF. But, but that's deep, deep pride. Your son has internalized the values and the messages that you imparted on them, that you chose in terms of schools and camps to impart on your son. Um, and it's really, to us, a badge of pride. It's, uh, we have a big poster in the school um, listing all of the uh, alumni currently serving in Sahal with their Hebrew names so we can daven for them. Um, and, and we really want it to be something really palpable that our students understand. And, and I think that has something to do with why the trajectory is so high as far as wanting to serve in the IDF. And there are, you have colleagues in this. There are other schools as well that have, again, similar percentages, which are unbelievable, to say the least. Have... 
your seniors approached you, maybe they've actually gone to your director of uh, you know, college guidance, might be more appropriate for a conversation, or the guidance department in general. Have they approached you with these concerns? Because you probably have kids. It's now November 1st. There are probably seniors in your school who literally are deciding NYU, YU, Turo, Columbia. I mean, they're, you know, they're, I, I can't relate to this because I didn't have this type of senior year. But there are probably kids who right now are confused about what to do as they watch what's happening. And they really do have three, four choices in front of them. Right. And as as a school, as a yeshiva, our goal is always to have these active conversations. In other words, our view is by the time you're a senior in high school, you're ready to make uh, you know certain decisions in, cons- in consultation with your family. Right. Um, but we always want to talk through on a value level, right? We, we want to be values driven, so um, we want that to be a conversation regardless. You know, the the question of yeshiva university versus a secular college is, is a profound and important conversation, a conversation that takes place you know over the course of four years for our students, and and, and one that our students should go to uh, Mrs. Weinberger, our director of college guidance, but also speak to the administration, and also speak to their abeim about in terms of where they can best grow as, as I think, a well-rounded mentor who, who is what we are all aspiring for. And so by that, the way, speaking to a Columbia alumni may not even be that effective because things were very different a couple of years ago. Right, and and we do, and, you know, internally we speak to our alumni who are on these college right. campuses over the last now, couple of weeks. We've now. been in touch right. with them now, and we'll offer our current students to be in touch with alumni. Um, but it's important to realize that every alum has their own experience and you know we read news stories and you know some Some will say we don't feel anything some will say i was involved in an episode that's scary and i can't sleep at night you know exactly right so obviously it's all about life experiences and people have different ones um it'll be interesting to see how the colleges react to all this frankly um i i'm curious to see uh how the academics on the collegiate level and i'm talking about faculty administration put together the language of a response in in terms of how they're going to guarantee safety of students on campus by the way not the craziest thing you know to guarantee safety of all students on campus correct you know, you know that's, that's not, what i referenced earlier is we don't think what we're asking for is uh is in any way should be offensive right. in any way should be uncomfortable for a college i mean we think it's pretty fundamental that as a college you want the safety of all of your students i would advocate the safety of their islamic students as well every correct. single student Asian, campus, everybody everyone should feel safe and all we're asking for is we feel a heightened sense of of, of uh fear uh because of the anti-semitism um and i would say we're inspired maybe too strong of a word but right. you know again tracking what's happening uh seeing Go- governor hokel's position and stance and, and to see that uh the the perpetrator in cornell university has been uh, arrested right. is meaningful we right. saw columbia professors uh 200 columbia professors i believe took a very strong stance um in uh, expressing their their total anger at the anti-Semitism that's taking place on their campus. So we are seeing movement, um, but we need to see more movement. And I'm glad you reminded me, Governor Hochul, I don't remember if it's tomorrow morning or Friday morning, she'll be joining us this week here. And we'll have an opportunity to thank her for all of this, including her trip to Israel. Your campus might be different. Again, I'm pretty familiar with it because of our family's experience with it. But, But there has to be yeshiva high schools that have a split student body. Again, whether this is, this is not the time to, to criticize it's a time just to understand what's going on there's got to be a split student body in some of the yeshiva high schools out there because we know how youthful people are they do 
number one, pay a lot of attention to what's happening on social media and the news. Not all the news is pro-Israel, as you might have heard. Uh, and in addition to that, you know how the youth are. They they often sympathize with, quote-unquote, those who are the downtrodden in a certain situation. I'm trying to say this as sensitively as possible. Uh, should I assume that that's not an issue at TABC, or is it a discussion about the, you know, the, the quote-unquote treatment of Israelis, of others, etc.? No, we have a pretty united voice. Um, I, the, the only voice that I've heard in TABC is one that is uh, pro-life, pro-morality, um, which is pro-justice. Pro-justice, correct? Is 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 incredible moral clarity? We don't need to talk about this side and that side, um, but but really is is clear. In but our you conviction. you have to assume some of your colleagues are going through that, and it must be hard for them, right? I, I guess I don't know, but right. I could if if one was going through that, I can only imagine how difficult it would be because you know certain times there are two sides to a story, and and we can understand multiple perspectives, and that's why I think one of the values actually we want for our high school students is to understand um, how to disagree in a respectful way and to be able to see two sides of an issue but this seems pretty uh pretty clear in terms of right and wrong and the hamas and isis comparisons um are are, are incredibly right. evident um the the horrific nature of, of what's happened to uh, or what happened three weeks ago three plus weeks ago uh to, to our brothers and sisters in israel is just devastating um and our students I don't response know how the kids process it at that age even, right. even as teenagers it's just yeah, so impossible to believe. Right, but but our response has been been very clear and unequivocal, and I'm not just talking about it in terms of statements, but in terms right. of the actions of our students, in terms of students who have, have been involved in, in collecting and, and packing supplies to send to soldiers in Israel, letter writing to soldiers in Israel, our our tefillah, our, our Torah, in terms of learning uh, for the safety of our stu- of of people in Israel, learning in memory of those who passed away in Israel. We have a, a wall with with pictures of all of the hostages. Oh. Um, so it's it's very clear and un equivocal we have our israel advocacy club is sharing updates with our student body with the news um so we're, we're actually really we're really proud of our students um we're proud of of, of our parent body of our, our faculty in rebeum and there's a very clear feeling throughout the building of where we stand one of my greatest revelations and people laugh about this and i think i was laughing about it during the show we had three israeli soldiers on last, a week ago last wednesday and they spoke about, I, I, we were kidding about all the different supplies that are coming from the United States because some are really necessary and others are a bit superfluous. And they said, you know what really is amazing? The letters we got. I said, what? You're telling me you don't just dump them in the garbage? They said, are you kidding? We post them all on the wall of the mess tent, you know, where they eat yeah. or outside of where they eat. And we're constantly looking at them. And we love the pictures the kids are drawing, you know, some of them better than others. Some of them more appropriate than others. And, and we love the poetry that they're writing and the messages. That, and some of us actually sleep with some of these letters next to us just to remember what we're... What, and I have taken this message now, obviously, to this audience, but even to other schools, you got to keep writing letters. You just got to keep writing letters because I, I never in my life thought that that was an effective morale booster. I thought it was a good project to keep us engaged with what's going on there. But they say that it's one of the most important things. And, hey, the proof's in the pudding. We have, we have soldiers who are telling us. So please encourage everyone in your school and your colleagues to keep it going. Yeah, that, that struck me really in the, in the first week because I had right. the same, same feeling you right. did, which is, you know, these guys <laughs> are actually they're, reading them. <laughs> they're soldiers. They have a lot on their mind in addition to their families who, who they should be in communication with. Um, and, and with so much going on, how much can a, a letter right. from, uh, you know, a high school boy mean exactly. to them? Um, I know how high school boys write. I know the emotions <laughs> they do or don't express. Um, but but it's, it's really a, it's a, a strong reminder to us um, that everyone has to do their part. And again, our part is is 
manifest in many different ways. Right. Again, the obvious Torah and Tefillah in terms of learning uh, in their in, in their merit and and for a foolish layman for their safety, davening um, for all of that. But this advocacy as well, and advocacy locally, right? Not just the letters we're sending, yeah. um, but you know, this is a, a bipartisan approach in which we thank President Biden for much of what he's done. We we thank Governor Hochul for what she's done. Um, but the support is 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 clear and unequivocal across party lines. Um, and we send here Representative Gottenheimer, Congressman Gottenheimer has been very strong. Yeah. Uh, Richie Torres has been phenomenal for Israel. Um, and so that part of it also in terms of our own advocacy locally is is critical. Yeah, we need some bridge building between neighbors in the neighborhoods locally. We, like I'm a Jerseyan. But um, it's hard, hard to do that. And I, and I see their efforts being made to do that, to try to lower the temperature on certain emotions on all sides. So hopefully that'll work. Finally, Rabbi Khan, not that, I mean, this is more of, a, of an abstract question, but I'm curious. You start the school year, right, in September. And I always get the impression that people like yourself and your faculty are like, okay, Simplest Torah is going to be over. School year begins in earnest, and here are the goals, and here is what we intend to cover and do in the next few months. And this year, it's a really long period, because Pesach's not till the end of April. you got a long chunk of time to really... And then, of course, this happens, and so much of this now dominates the day. I'm not saying you're neglecting you know, Torah studies and secular studies, but all of this is seeping into both of those, I'd have to assume. How different are things what you expected when you were sitting around a Kolomoid Sukkot thinking of the school year? Yes, uh, 100% different, um, but but that really has been the goal, and, and when we talk about it, is is how do we balance the day-to-day, uh, which is so critical for our students, the normal, um, and at the same time, keep this at the forefront of our mind. And in right. particular, you know, the two things that come to my mind is we had a Shabbaton, uh, Parshas Bratius. Um, and that oh, was, wow. yeah, that was, it must have been intense. And, and it was a question, honestly, we, we, we grappled with, do we postpone the Shabbaton? Do we cancel the Shabbaton? Do we go forward with the Shabbaton? Um, and we're very proud that we went forward. We think a normalcy and, and healthy outlets are important for our students. Uh, but we also felt that we were giving them an opportunity to really invest, you know, these, these emotions and channel them into a meaningful way. You know, we had, we went to the rally here locally on right. Thursday night and, and the truth is we were supposed to go to a water park. We were supposed to go to the Cartwright Water Park. It's been a lot of fun for our students. And, and we felt that with everything going on, how can we just, you know, enjoy a night of, of pure fun when uh, we, we had lost over a thousand Israelis? And, and instead, we redirected our energies to uh, an evening of learning, to supporting the rally here, the RCBC rally. Um, and the kids also got to enjoy the Shabbaton a little bit, but right. but we were able to really channel our emotions in a healthy way um, into to advocating and learning on behalf of, of everyone in Israel. And to remember that part of our victory over the evils of Hamas is the smiles of our teenagers. So, you know, we try to balance, on the one hand, I think the deep emotional meaning that, that we're all grappling with, with the fact that teenagers being teenagers is also a victory. And then similarly... Uh, within day-to-day class, right? That's it's an important thing. We, we went to education. Whether it's Gemara, Shear, or math class, we think it's really important. But as are the opportunities to go to a rally, and as are the opportunities for our students to go pack duffel bags to send to Israeli soldiers. Um, and so it's been, uh, you know, it's been a, a balancing act of trying to achieve both of those goals. And, and, and while, yes, it's, it's expecting the unexpected, the truth is that I think uh, this is formative education. Our students uh, will have gained much more 
no by, by ste- stepping up during this situation. I really wonder if the current 9th through 12th graders will have an even larger percentage of IDF service. I wonder. Yes. Because very often, as we know, sometimes to the chagrin of parents, these types of international episodes encourage young people to really get out there on the front lines. And who knows? Yeah, and, and not quite in that way, but on a personal level, I have a daughter who's uh, in seminary this year. Uh, I know you have a right. son in yeshiva. Right. Um, and uh, it's not, not always easy you know, to stay. There are some who left, um, but it's, it's my hope and feel that she and, and all of her friends and all of our alumni who are in yeshiva in Israel um, have actually a more profound experience this year uh, because they're living what it means to really be part of Kla Yisrael in a really deep and meaningful way. No question about it. And uh, again, without any criticism, kudos to the students and parents who have remained in Israel, and many of them, with the help of their institutions, are finding very creative ways to help out, which is incredible. And as you said, life-changing. Um, our best, of course, Rabbi Stochel, your head of school, Rabbi Finkelstein, the entire administration. And uh, TABC will be known as one of the first to, on paper, uh, react uh, to the situation on college campuses around this country, especially here in New York and New Jersey. And let's hope that it uh, it does... Um, cause some change on those campuses. We'll know probably in the next few weeks, and certainly you'll be able to tell us by the reaction that you get from the uh, heads of these campuses and the representatives of the campuses. Uh, hopefully it'll be a great help, and I'm glad that uh, you were able to come in today to discuss it. Thank you so much for having me, and Pleasure. as you started with, best regards to all the Seagull boys, <laughs> who I'm sure are tuned in right now listening as they do every day to your show. Rabbi Khan, as I've said to you many times, they better be. Simple <laughs> as that. Uh, Rabbi Josh Khan is, of course, the Rosh Hashiva at TABC. Lots to be proud of of including this most recent letter that we discussed, but certainly what's happening on campus as we know firsthand a lot to be proud of uh, here in Teaneck, New Jersey. It is America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Round the world of web at NachumSiegel.com on the NachumSiegel Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Show voice 
J.M. in the A.M. Yosef Karduner, as we continue to pray for those who are wounded and injured, that's Rifa Enu. The IDF, according to the uh, last update from the Jerusalem Post, has attacked over 11,000 Hamas targets 
It's day 26 of the war that has taken more than 1,400 of our brothers and sisters since October the 7th, including 326 soldiers. And Rabbi uh, Dr. Kenneth Brander, who's Rosh Hashiva at uh, Artorah Stone in Israel, has been on the front lines of the rabbinic end of this war, to say the least. I think he would agree that the life, the last three weeks have been life-changing, but uh, for him in unique ways, to say the least. Rabbi Dr. Kenneth Brander, a pleasure to welcome you back to JM in the AM. Thank you, Nahum. It's always uh, a pleasure to hear your voice, even in very challenging and difficult times. I appreciate that. I honestly don't know where to begin. You are spending, aside from your regular responsibilities, you are spending a lot of time at funerals. You are very familiar with some of the families that are in mourning now. We know the latest about how many soldiers we lost yesterday, how many of our brothers fell in combat. Um, I would imagine you're spending a tremendous amount of time Funerals with families, dealing with situations that have never arisen before in your rabbinic career. And on top of that, you're trying to maintain a student body that is, um, in addition to its academics, completely committed to the future of the state of Israel. So to ask you how you are at this time would be a ridiculous question. I guess the better question would be, what could you tell us? How can you update us about what people like yourself are going through at the current time? Well, first, let me start once again, Nachum, with a thank you to you and to your network, because you are one of the most important vehicles through which we all uh, continue to stay informed. So you should know that all of us, I can't speak for all the state of Israel, because that would be uh, way too pompous. But I can speak at least for the few thousand of my students and my faculty who so much appreciate your work. I appreciate that. Thank As, you. Essentially, we're all fighting for our future, and we're all fighting for a future that's worth fighting for. And uh, that means that, uh, you know, we just finished uh, feeding, I think we're at 4,000 meals to displaced people who are now being housed uh, in our retreat center in Efrat. Uh, we're dealing with the fact that within the past hour, we got phone calls from the army asking that a group of Duvdavan soldiers who need to be in Yudavishamron should also be able to stay in our dorms in Efrat. So the young boys of Nevishmuel are now going to triple up so that uh, a dorm can be given to Duvdavan. Uh, 80 uh, young ladies from Kiryat Shmona uh, need a place to go to school in Jerusalem. And so Ramot Banot, which is the most, uh, which is a school that has the most requests for women in the religious Zionist community are now going to absorb 80 more students as of tomorrow. Oh. We're trying to deal with the mental health issues of our students and our faculty, especially when we have around 4,000 students, faculty, alumni in the field, and dealing with all the halakhic questions, um, many not appropriate to discuss in a public venue, um, and their spouses and their children who are heroes in a different front. They're worried about their husbands, and at the same time, they have to deal with their children. 
So those are some of the issues we're dealing with. And of course, there are the security issues when you have a Hezder Yeshiva and 150 of your students who know to use a gun are now serving on the front lines and you just have Shir Aleph and the women from the Kolel, uh, you know, the wives of the, of the Kolel on the campus. So now you only have, you know, 50 and let's just say their use of a gun is as good as mine. We need to change uh, things around a little bit. Tomorrow I have a meeting with the people who are in charge of the army, the Machat, for the Gushetion region to review some of our security protocols. Um, but I think we're we're not alone. Everybody's doing this. You know, yesterday the atmosphere in Israel was jubilant because one of the hostages was rescued. And today you walk down the street and everybody is in a state of mourning because of the loss of our precious soldiers. It doesn't matter whether you wear a kippah, whether you have multiple body piercings, whether you're Haredi, it doesn't make a difference. Amachad, Belevachad. Well, that's together. Yeah, that certainly has been demonstrated certainly over the last few weeks. Can't deny that. Um, I don't know where to begin after the list that you just mentioned. And as you said, there are so many other institutions and volunteer efforts that are also being called upon by the army and by other authorities to help out and all the things that you just brought up. Let's start with the with the refugees. And, and, and you know, again, that's a separate battle, a different type of battle in terms of helping them now that they've been displaced from their homes, both up north and down south. How challenging is it to make them comfortable? How challenging is it to give them a sense of family and camaraderie when they're not in their regular home? It must be very difficult. And are you finding them in good spirits? Are you finding them in in a downtrodden way? What would you say? Um, first of all, um, it's an amazing and important question. I don't think we can fully answer it. But I just like to make two points. You know, I hear on the news that Hamas is not allowing Palestinians to move in Gaza from one region to another region, not allowing them to move. And I just look at the opposite of what's happening in Israel. That anyone who's displaced because of Hamas yeah. is uh, there, there's no one who isn't taking them in. There's no one, there are buses just waiting in line to take them where they want. You know, if you, if you're, if you park in a no parking zone and it's a ticket pretty fast, but if you, right now, but you're just picking up some food for displaced people, not only will the policeman not give you a ticket, Miss probably will take out his wallet to help pay for the groceries. <laughs> and and might even slap the bags with you, frankly. <laughs> Right, right. So, so it's a different, and you just, you know, there's no such thing as not taking people in or not helping them to move. It doesn't exist. We are bringing like uh, protective gear to soldiers who need it. I don't have to drive it to them or someone else. There's WhatsApp groups of two, three hundred people. You tell them where it needs to go. They'll come and pick it up. It's like FedEx without having to, you know, <laughs> they're, more, the they're much more on time than, Fe- <laughs> time than FedEx. So um, I think it's important to realize the chesed and how has been done. I, I have soldiers who told me Thursday night that they had the best chant in their life. You know, a bunch of <laughs> love of chassidim came to the base and 
the kishka is mama's kishka. It's not, there's no Shiloh, whether it's meat or not. Um, uh, yeah, so. by the way, while you bring it up, kudos to some of the members of the Hasidic community for doing what they do best and doing it for our brothers and sisters. It is pretty remarkable, yeah. frankly. Yeah. So, so I'll just give you one example. There was an air raid siren two days ago. Um, and so the, the families from <clears throat> Nativot and Ashkelon were going to the shelters and we were, you know, helping them get to the shelters with their kids. But the truth is, as the mother said to me, you know, uh, their kids don't need any help going to a shelter. They know, they know the, they know the drill. Um, but what was interesting, what was tragic was the mother turned to us and said, you know, if I was in Ashkelon still, it could be that my house would be destroyed with us in it. Yeah. I'm so appreciative of what is being done for, uh, for them. Uh, for, I was uh, so appreciative. So I can't uh, tell you that, I mean, it's not a normal situation. I mean, our retreat center is very nice, but I, I wouldn't call it anything more than a one-star you know, a one-star hotel. Yeah. So I don't want to give us, you know, we're doing, now it's going to cost us $50,000 to feed them. But the bottom line is, and I want to thank the Jewish federations of North America who are helping underwrite that. But the, the amount of work that's being done, you know, at Midrash at Lindenbaum, they're running for all these displaced students today. They're running after school, a carnival for them. And that, it's something that a lot of people are doing. We're trying to do whatever we can. And I don't know if we'll ever know if we did it right, but I do know that we will know that we did it to the best of our ability. All right. Dr. Kenneth Branders with us, Rosh Hashiva at Artara Stone. I got to take this for a moment outside of Israel. You're in touch with God knows how many hundreds of rabbinic leaders. Um, in general, religious leaders around uh, the world, men and women who are uh, teachers, men and women who are um, taking leadership roles in different communities. I have to imagine, because I know you're always in touch with them, I have to imagine that some of them from certain countries have expressed tremendous concern to you about the current situation regarding anti-Semitism, safety issues where they are in major cities around the world. Give us your perspective as people are in touch with you from the diaspora about this issue. Perhaps the most jarring question that I got, at least for me personally, was the following, that they're on a college campus, not in America, although America is no picnic, um, and they wanted to know because of the anti-Semitism if they could move their mezuzah, their front door mezuzah from inside to out, from outside to inside, oh. because they're worried about the thing. And and you know at the same time you have 15 of our 285 shlichim, 15 of them came back to serve. That means they left their spouses and their children in foreign countries. Yep. And they came back to serve, and they're serving in places. I mean, they're serving on the border. They're doing. They have various responsibilities, um, whether it's in tanks or whether it's retrieving bodies of soldiers that may have fallen and doing all different types of things, or medics or whatever. They have their responsibilities are. But I think that that we're all struggling with the anti-Semitism, whether it's on the Harvard campus or in. NYU or anywhere else or Cornell, um, 
And we have, as part of the OUJLIC, we have some of our students serving in those positions. Right. They're struggling with it. And obviously, uh, they become targets because they served in the IDF. Um, and, but I think, I think it's important for all of us throughout the Jewish world to ask ourselves, you know, multiple questions. How do we, how do we make sure that we are safe and secure? How do we make, ask ourselves the questions where, where should we be living? Um, I'm not here to be Nefesh Benefesh's spokesperson, but I am here to be the Torah's spokesperson and Torah pretty pretty much articulates that. And what can we do at the same time to help diaspora Jewry uh, at the same time that we help uh, Jews in Israel who literally our lives are our lives and the lives of our children and our grandchildren are on are on the line in very uh, real ways. To say the least. All right, Dr. Kenneth Brand is with us, Rosh Hashiva Artaris Stone. He's speaking to us of course from Israel. So we, um, you know, were impressed, as you could imagine, by any educational institution that has uh, students and alumni in the army and doing the work that's, you know, needed to be done militarily and, of course, putting themselves in, in extreme harm's way compared to anybody else in this war effort. Uh, in fact, we had a guest this morning who was talking about the, uh, one of the yeshiva high schools here with uh, over 40 alumni right now serving in the IDF. Do you have any clue... Do you have any clue? I would imagine it's a mammoth number. How many total alumni or Torah Stone has in the Army? I would guess at this point you probably have lifelong Army people that are alumni of your institution. Yes, we have many lifelong. We have a few colonels, a few generals. I've actually gone to visit a few of them. I went to visit one, and the sirens went off. So the person guarding, uh, they're on a called Pikut HaNegev. It's the major base in the Negev in the south. So when the sirens went off, since I don't, I'm not wearing, uh, you know, a uniform, they wouldn't let me into the, to the safe room. So the colonel said, well, if the Rav doesn't go in, neither do I. So, uh, that's great. (laughs) Anyways. So, uh, but, but, you know, listen, I, I think we're helping, we easily have, I mean, easily, easily, we easily, we have 16,500 alumni just from the high schools. Right. I would assume that uh, we easily have 8,000 alumni who are in the IDF at this current period of time. I know we have 550 students and another 150 faculty Oh, a lot of our classes are being doubled up. So, you know, if you give uh, sheer to ninth graders, you're now giving sheer to ninth grade and sheer to 10th grade. If you're giving math, instead of doing, you know, your three um, math classes, you're now doing five right. uh, to help out. Everybody's doing double double work. And I become an expert. I always thought the word kavana was about the notion of having proper mindset for davening uh, this famous argument in the Rambam about what you need kavana for right. 200 kavanot those are uh, scopes for snipers um, and get, I never knew the word kavana meant also scopes or uh, keramic ceramic vest, kerami vest, a full kerami 
That's what I they call them, karami? That's, them. that's funny. Yeah. And those are very so effective. I bought, I, bought, I bought cookies and ceramic vests to some of our huh. students on the border. So they asked me, they asked me, you know, who made the cookies? I said, if I made the cookies. So I said to them, listen, my wife made the cookies and I'm telling you they're good. If I had made the cookies, you could use them instead of the ceramic vest. <laughs> so, uh, if you made the so, cookies, uh, the vest would taste better. <laughs> right. Um, right, Brad, they're with us from Israel. Good to laugh during these times. Our brothers and sisters, as I reported last week, going through a very, very frightening, difficult, and times depressing time. But for some reason, the morale of the soldiers, the leaders, the anybody involved in military, thank God, is high. I think that's. Uh, uh, one of the reasons that we are Bezrat Hashem Biyachad Ninatzeach together, we will win this war. There are a lot of people, Rabbi Brander. Everything you've mentioned in this conversation takes money. Uh, you know, feeding people in the tens of thousands, delivering stuff to soldiers, and and God knows how many other things uh, that we did and did not mention this morning. You and the institution are involved with. Plus, as you know, we. We take pride in, frankly, uh, supporting efforts that have a proven track record like yours does. It's not the first time that Dora Stone's been called upon in emergency situations to react. The best way for people to support the work of Artura Stone, especially if they want to designate these funds to the war effort, what would you recommend? Well, first of all, thank you. OTS.org.il. OTS.org.il. On the front page is a button to be able to click and to make a donation every single penny. It's just going for these efforts, whether it's to help the soldiers, the displaced uh, families, as well as security issues that the Army has asked us to do. Every single penny is going just for that, nothing else. And, you know, we're going to have to spend around three-quarters of a million dollars above and beyond our general budget. So whatever anyone can do to become our partners, in this process would definitely be appreciated from the bottom of our hearts. OTS.org.il. OTS.org.il. As you heard, right, Brandis, every penny right now is going toward these campaign efforts. I'm talking about the war campaign. Um, and uh, just based on what Roy Brander has told us this morning, it's obvious they're spending tens of thousands of dollars a day uh, just to keep all of this going, especially when they're trying to feed so many people. So whatever you could do to help those who are displaced, whatever you could do to help the soldiers, whatever Roy Brander and his staff and uh, volunteers and students could do to help anybody in this war effort, we could do our part by just supporting them. Go to OTS.org.il, OTS.org.il be as generous as possible. Right, Brander, sometimes you and I get a little philosophical, and I have to imagine, coming off of Parsha's Lechacha and being in the midst of the great tests that God had for Abraham, our forefather, it has to have struck you oh, at some point in the last few days how uh, when Abraham was um, essentially made the father of the Jewish people, how he... Uh, how he would react today knowing what his children are going through. Uh, anything on a philosophical Torah level you could share with us about our great father and what he might be thinking looking down on all of this? Well, every single week I, I write a letter through the WhatsApp groups to all of our soldiers uh, in the field, namely all the students that I, can, that I have a connection with. The most important piece of the Devar Torah is 
is I put my cell number down, my personal cell number, and tell them they can call it 24-7. If they need anything, I can be of any help. But in the in the parsha that we are uh, that we just finished in Lechacha, there's an amazing piece that Rabbi Lamb's uh, grandfather writes about in the Amek Halacha. He writes about the fact that after Avram finished the war, the kings met him at a place called Amek Shaveh, and that Malchitzedek, the the priest of, he brought him uh, lechem and yayin, bread and wine. So he explains that Amek Shaveh means the Valley of Equality. The kings thought that now that Abraham had uh, been a warrior, he no longer was a spiritual person. He no longer was a moral person. He no longer was an ethical person. He was just like them. But that wasn't the case, because when you fight a war for all the right reasons, that's being ethical. That's being moral. And therefore, Malkitzedek brings him both wine and bread. Wine and bread are the only two foodstuffs that when you manipulate them, the bracha does not go down in stature. Like, for example, orange juice goes from a eight to a shahakal. Right. But wine and bread, when, when, when you manipulate them, it doesn't go down because you use the wheat or the grapes in a certain way. The blessing goes up. Sometimes it becomes a bori priyagaf and it becomes a hamoti lacham and aret. It's a more significant blessing than a eight. Um, or Adama, and the idea being that when Avram was involved in the challenging task of going to war because he wanted to free hostages and because he wanted to rid the world from darkness and from evil, that didn't make him equal. It made him transcendent. It made him holy. It continued to celebrate Avram's journey. And that is that we take the everyday and we're able to raise it. And I see these soldiers they are holy of the holies. I go there and they ask me for a bracha because I'm a Kohen, and I feel so inadequate because I am the least holy amongst them. These are holy human beings who are doing this totally for all the right reasons. They are truly the children of Avraham. Avraham was on a long journey. Avraham went through difficult challenges. At the end, his life is about bringing light to this world. We continue that journey and our soldiers, including people like yourself, Nahum, who are soldiers on a different front, are helping bring the redemption to our people and to society in general. What important words and words, frankly, that certain people who are tuned in need to hear. And uh, what a perspective when it comes to the soldiers who are defending the state of Israel, keeping us safe around the world. I would guess Avram Avinu is very, very proud of them. Uh, Rabbi Dr. Kenneth Brander, I look forward to reuniting in the Holy Land. Can't thank you enough to our listeners. It's OTS.org.il, OTS.org.il. Be as generous as possible with all the initiatives that every penny now is being used for the quote-unquote military campaign that Israel is involved with right now. Rabbi Brander, kol and uh, best regards to everybody at Ortoros Stone. Thank you, Nachum. More coming up. It's a Wednesday morning broadcast. You're listening to JM in the AM. (laughs) 
صادق نزاف لای رئیسی صادق نزاف میزارای میوکیش لخن لایسی کام زکانتی لایسی صادق نزاف لایسی صادق نزاف
JM in the AM. New York Boys Choir with Achenu here at JM in the AM. Well, I mentioned hours ago as we hit the air this morning that I would give an appropriate um, an appropriate minute to recognize uh, all those soldiers who were taken from us yesterday. Um, here are the names that we have so far of the soldiers who were taken from us in battle yesterday with the enemy. Lieutenant Ariel Reich, 24 years old, from Yerushalayim. Corporal Asif Luger, 21 years old, from Yagur. Sergeant Adi Danan, from Yavne. Staff Sergeant Halel Solomon, 20 years old, from Demona. Staff Sergeant Erez Mishlovsky, 20 years old, from Oranit. Staff Sergeant Adi Leon. 20 years old, from Neely. Corporal Ido Ovadia, 19 years old, from Tel Aviv. Corporal Lior Simonovich, 19 years old, from Herzliya. And Staff Sergeant Roe Dawi, 20 years old, from Yerushalayim. It's a painful sacrifice that the Jewish people are making for freedom, independence, and living as Jews in the state and land of Israel. Please, God, give strength unto your people. You know, friends, sometimes we don't know where our strength is coming from anymore, anymore. Let me just tell you, maybe some of you know it. There's a Yiddalev came to the Holy Land, and he fought in 1948 and 56. And he had two sons, two holy, holy sons. 1967, one son left this world. Sanctify God's name, the name of the Holy Land. And now on Yom Kippur, the second son joined his father Abraham in heaven. And I heard the story. From the person who has to tell the parents when God forbid the children die. He said they just didn't have the strength anymore. They're driving around the block five times and how can you tell them? But regardless, finally they made themselves strong. They walked up. And they told him, we're so sorry to tell you, your last son is also gone. You know what he did? Hashem God gave him so much strength from heaven. He took a little bit wine and said, Lachaim, my holy son, Lachaim, I envy you, you gave your life for the holy land. He said, Lachaim to his wife, Lachaim, Lachaim. You were privileged to have two holy sons who give their life for the holy land. 
11 names as opposed to 12 or 9 from Gaza as opposed to 10 because the Israeli army has not yet released the information although it's been published so we can announce it that uh, among the among those killed yesterday was uh, Pedaya Mark Pedaya Mark is the son of Mickey Mark of blessed memory and Javi he was one of the soldiers killed in Gaza yesterday, commander in Givati, and, and his father, as many of you in this audience remember, was the executive director of Yeshiva Torah Shraga for 10 years. And while he was executive director of Torah Shraga, he was murdered by terrorists in July of 2016. That was an error of Shabbos. And Pedaya, Pedaya was in the car when his father was killed seven years ago, and now he has been killed in battle with the enemy after taking out a whole bunch of terrorists. Achenu Israel and Achimachem, our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners, sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web and AchimSiegel.com and the Siegel Network and of course on the beloved NSN app. My conversation with Rabbi Josh Fast last week, it was last Tuesday in Israel, which ran for over an hour. He is, of course, co-founder of Nefesh Benefesh, comes up next on JM Rewind. If you missed last week's conversation with him, I highly recommend you stay tuned right now on the Nahum Siegel Network. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a good Wednesday, as good as possible. Till tomorrow, Nahum Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.